Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success. Now, here's the host of WP Tonic, Jonathan Dinwood and John Locke. Welcome to WP Tonic, episode 189. Today, we've got the immense pleasure of having, having as our guest, Zach Rosen, the SEO of Pantheon. Zach, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, what you do. Yeah, so uh, Zach Rosen here in San Francisco. Uh, I co-founded Pantheon oh, over five years ago with my good friends, uh, Matt, Josh, and David. So it's the four of us. Um, and before, before Pantheon, we uh, ran a couple consulting companies. So Matt, Josh, and I started uh, Chapter 3 here in San Francisco. And David started a consulting company in Texas called Four Kitchens. Uh, and then uh, we also started a, a, a small bike manufacturer uh, on the Lark. Um, and essentially, the story of Pantheon is uh, we were basically hired as consultants to build the same set of DevOps infrastructure uh, about a dozen times for enterprise customers like The Economist, who had 30 developers uh, on, on staff and at these contract agencies, uh, had a ton of traffic. Uh, and they needed to set up, you know, uh, all the caching systems and failover systems and uh, hosting to support their, their high traffic site. But, but as importantly, the DevOps workflow. So the way you can have one developer working a feature over here and have another developer over here working on a different feature and be able to merge those changes and then test them and deploy them out without breaking the live site. Uh, so we, we essentially... Uh, as consultants kind of specialized in, in DevOps uh, consulting. And then we had the same experience for all these projects, which was we would uh, be done with this, these infrastructure build outs. We give uh, the infrastructure back to the client. Uh, and then they would say inevitably like, what do I do with this stuff? And they would uh, essentially, you know, the pattern we saw was their IT teams really didn't have this kind of Drupal or WordPress DevOps uh, expertise. Um, and so the IT teams really couldn't manage it. And so what they would inevitably do would be go get their most senior web developer uh, and then turn them into a sysadmin, uh, which was no fun for them, not really what they signed up to do, and, and kind of a waste of their top talent. So that was really the, the impetus to start Pantheon. We, we, you know, the, the bet then and, and now was, why don't we just solve this once and for all with software? So just build a software system. You know, m most of these, these projects were like in excess of a million dollars in multiple cases take a year. Um, that's way too much money uh, for most of these uh, site owners to, uh, to come up with. Um, really complicated projects. And then at the end of the day, to, to, to do these massive projects and then give it back to the client and, and they didn't have the skill set to manage it was really um, unfulfilling as a, as a consultant. And so the vision is we'll just solve all that with software, um, you know, start a software service. And we uh, you know, ended up kind of bootstrapping the company out of the consulting company for the first year or so. And then uh, really, uh, you know, at that point when we knew we had a, a, a valuable uh, product, we had a lot of customers uh, to really build the platform the way we wanted to, uh, we knew we had to raise venture capital. And so we did that and, uh, and then ended up launching the service publicly in 2012. No, most definitely. Um, my co-host, Jonathan Denwood, uh, introduce yourself. I, I know you have a question for Zach. 
Oh, hi there, folks. I'm the founder of WP Tonic. We're a maintenance support company that only works with WordPress. We've been part of the WordPress community for over seven years now, and we'll be your trusted partner. Um, just a quick question, Zach. Um, hosting um, didn't seem the most exciting part of IT or IT infrastructure, really. It was a bit dour, but over the past, let's say, four or five years, innovation in hosting has just kind of bursted, you know, yeah. with more innovation. Do you see that continuing in the next three, four years? Yeah, to, to be upfront, we, uh, we think hosting is going to get replaced by a new class of services. Um, so the, the traditional hosting uh, market that you see today, we think is going to get radically altered. And we're, we think we're seeing the early stages of that right now. Uh, and and I, I can give you kind of more of the thinking along that, that, uh, that path. So, uh, you know, we, we start from the, the uh, kind of highest level. So websites. Um, so websites is about a $200 billion a year industry. Um, it's actually a bigger industry than digital advertising. So many of your clients, I'd imagine, will spend uh, quite a lot on their website and then not buy Google AdWords or Facebook ads uh, because they actually get their traffic through um, just inbound. Uh, and then there are a lot of, uh, of your clients who are spending a lot on Google AdWords, but where, where do they send that traffic? To the website, right? So they care about how that traffic converts. So there's a, uh, a ton of spend on websites, and we think that's for, for obvious reasons, really. You know, as a marketer, really, at the end of the day, your website is your most important digital marketing product, period. Right? It's, it's the face of your business to the internet. Um, and so, you know, rightly, uh, businesses invest a lot in, in, uh, in their website, and that's, uh, that's actually accelerating. Uh, you know, there's, there's actually a, a trans, even above that, there's a transformation of business to become more and more digital, right? So the top, the top uh, 10 companies by market cap, I believe four of them now are technology companies. Um, that's, this mega trend is kind of driving that. Um, uh, that as well, um, but if you if you uh, you know actually look at uh, uh, you know customers that have really embraced um, are really good at digital marketing and have kind of embraced the best practices of digital marketing, and this is to get back to your your question around hosting, the commonality that we see uh, is they innovate on their website like modern software companies innovate on their product, right? So they. Uh, uh, don't just kind of, you know, I think the old way of building websites is you um, hire a team or hire a consultant uh, when the business is being formed or when you uh, have a new marketer comes on board. You spend months designing the site and then you're kind of building all the comps and then you engage a you know, consultant or team to go build it and then you put it on the internet and boom, that's your website. No one touches it for two years. Um, that, uh, uh, as, as you, you probably you know, know, um, generally, I mean, that, that will check the box. I have a website, right? You can find me on the internet, which is better than no website, certainly. Uh, but the, the companies who actually are really good at digital marketing, they don't do that, right? What they do is they're constantly iterating on their website. They're trying new things, trying new designs. They're A-B testing. They're doing, you know, constant SEO uh, performance improvements. Every time they, mar they launch any new product, it comes with new uh, marketing content and landing pages. And it's a living, breathing thing. And, and back to hosting, the problem is traditional hosting doesn't solve that problem. Traditional hosting is for the first case, which is I have a website on the internet. Uh, but what you really need um, to make websites work for your business 
is a way to iterate easily on your website and, and deal with the uncertainty around the internet. Like you don't know when you're going to get a traffic spike, right? So your whatever provider you have needs to be able to deal with it. If it's tomorrow or, or two months, you, you don't have time to like plan ahead. You just have to be able to absorb that big traffic spike. And, and you need to be able to iterate very quickly and know that as you're iterating, you're not breaking things as you go. And so we think there's actually going to be a new class of services of which we are one um, that actually solves that problem uh, versus kind of the traditional hosting approach, which we, we think is designed to solve a different era of problems. I love how you put that, Zach, where you say that, that a lot of people, uh, they spend more, uh, and, and you're saying like in, in the category itself, the more people spend money on designing, building, and maintaining websites than they actually do on digital marketing. But what are they driving it to? Are they driving it to a site that is built once and then never updated again in two years? Or are they building it to a living, breathing organism? Which, of course, savvy marketers understand that their website is is really replacing the yellow pages, the business card, and all that thing is their most important marketing asset. And so a flexible hosting that uh, is supporting a, like an active marketing department is so important. Um, one thing that I wanted to ask you is, playing into that, your goal at Pantheon is to host a third of all web traffic. And my question to you is, how did you come up with that goal? And also, uh, how do you see the path to getting there? Yeah, so we, we, we figured if we made the goal any higher, we, we don't want to get too greedy, right? So uh, we just called it a 30%. Um, so uh, it was a good, it's a good question, and I, and I think that the reason we have, uh, you know, we're about a, uh, uh, you know, the real goal is to get to a percent within the next, you know, three, called three to four years. Um, and we're actually tracking towards that. So, um, uh, you know, to get to 30% will take many years, I mean, decades, really. But, but to answer the question, so the, the, the and back to, to hosting a little bit. So, again, you know, websites is a $200 billion a year market. It's a huge market. Uh, but unlike most other software categories, so, you know, um, office software or search engines or social networking, there to date really aren't um, large scale, like, truly large scale services and vendors uh, that, uh, uh, you know, have 5, 10, 20, 30 percent of the market. Um, if you look at almost any other established software uh, vertical, that, that's it. Uh, Really, web is, an, is a huge outlier. To have this big and established and important industry without true market leaders is kind of nuts. Uh, and and our, our view on the market is uh, we're not going to kind of – we think it's, it's – and not to rag on, our, on, on the web too much, but you know, my, the example I use is here in San Francisco. Um, for some reason, on the, if you've ever been on the BART, you actually can get really good internet service on the BART, on a train going between stations, which is kind of nuts when you think about it. And you can be on a phone on a BART, and uh, it's happening many times. You, you're you know, reading Twitter, and you click a link, and the website doesn't work, or it's not formatted for mobile. And you think about that, that's nuts, right? Because, you know, you're, you're, I'm on an LTE, and every five years, the generation of cell technology is going to get, yeah, 50% better. And that iPhone, you know, iPhones didn't exist you know, a decade ago, um, and every two years it gets eh, 50% better. Uh, and, you know, Twitter didn't exist 10 years ago, and they're constantly iterating on the product. And the weak, you know, get down to it, the weakest, even the, the, uh, the 
uh, CPU and the phone were still eking out um, constant improvement. When you get down to it, the website is the weakest link in that entire stack. And fundamentally, I know why that website didn't render, why it, it, it's uh, not online. It's because essentially the way we've been hosting uh, and building websites is other, other than the, the rise of content management, which is important, other than that, it's essentially the same way we've been doing this for 25 years, right? There's just not been uh, the kind of unlocking of value um, in the market that you've seen really in, in every other major part of the software uh, uh, industry. And so to get back to your question of why 30%, uh, we want to you know, play a role in that, right? We, we really want to bring, help bring websites uh, and running websites and creating great websites to the modern era of software as a service. And the way to do that is, uh, the best way to do that in our view is to build a really great service that actually can get to real scale. And real scale is not, a, not as a couple percent, but as you know, tens of, of percents of the, of the web. And so that's, that's the ultimate goal uh, for the company. Um, and it serves as a really useful tool to, tool to us internally in terms of how we actually build, uh, what actual software are we building and what is the intended purpose of it, right? There's a lot of things you can imagine we could do that might make sense in the short term, but actually might make it harder for us to achieve the end goal that we have. And so we try to take a really long-term view on how we're actually building the product. Nope, makes a lot of sense. Uh, and speaking to what you're saying, you know, uh, when sites get a lot of traffic, uh, you know, the website is the weakest link in the chain. But you guys have kind of specialized in having elastic hosting, cloud hosting, and you even have a, a resource, uh, scalewp.io, where, where it gives hints for like uh, having WordPress or Drupalit scale. What are things that your customers uh, don't know about having sites that are really performance driven at scale? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question, and uh, there's no short answer to it. So <laughs> uh, if you're okay, I'll give you kind of a longer answer. Uh, so I think, you know, the, the way we look at it is, and, and this is back to traditional hosting. So traditional hosting, quick overview, you know, uh, essentially the same technology model for the last 20 years. You know, on the, on the cheap end, you have shared hosting. Um, and so with shared hosting, um, you're literally tenanted with other customers on the same underlying infrastructure, traditionally with very little separation. So if uh, Jim has a bad day, you're going to have a bad day, and that will bring down your website, right? So the reliability of shared hosting is not great. Uh, you know, if you're not paying very much and your website, you're, not a, you're not a very large company, um, you might not care if your website goes down a lot. But for businesses where they're, um, they have marketing teams, they, they, uh, generally shared hosting is just too unreliable for them. Um, you have other issues with shared hosting, like if you if you get too much traffic or, or trying to scale, you're you're locked into a single machine, and you're literally limited in your ability to scale beyond the resources of that single machine. And in fact, you, what they do is they try to constrain your resources so you don't mess with other customers on on the same end server. So that's why typically shared hosting is pretty slow, um, not very scalable, but it is cheap. Um, so typically, customers graduate from there to kind of BPS hosting, so DigitalOcean or on uh, LightSail on Amazon or AWS or Linode. Um, the great thing about BPS hosting is you have, you, you have a fair amount of assurance, so there's protection between your BPS and someone else's BPS. So if Jim has a bad day, you won't necessarily have a bad day. 
um, and you might have more resources available to you in that VPS, more, more than likely. Uh, the problem with VPS is, is, is you have the same issues of scale so, and, and, and single points of failure. So if you, if you want to serve out more traffic than a single server can do, you can't do that. Uh, and if that server goes down that your website's running on, you're gonna, your site's going to go offline. And so what uh, customers who have a lot of uh, needs around scalability and want, and, and want reliability where they can actually absorb servers coming online or going, you know, uh, sorry, going offline and be able to not take the website down, they typically work with clusters. Uh, but clusters talk, you know, cost, and if you have experience with clusters, it's thousands of dollars a month, um, and, and it's a lot of overhead, and it's, and it's very complex. And you deal with cases like when you're developing on your local laptop, you have no idea how that change to that site will perform when you push it live on the cluster, because in the cluster, there's a network architecture and a uh, hop between the database um, and the application. Um, and so you have to deal with all these edge cases as you, as you kind of develop changes uh, for, for cluster hosting. Um, but, but back to hosting providers, the, the, the fundamental issue with hosting providers, and this is the, the central thing we knew at the beginning we, we needed to avoid to do what we wanted to do, and we've been able to do it successfully, is, if, is from a hosting uh, a vendor's perspective, when they get to thousands or tens of thousands of customers, what you inevitably end up with is this kind of mess of some customers on shared hosting, some customers on VPSs, enterprise customers on clusters, um, and it's completely heterogeneous. Um, and the way the cluster is configured is slightly different than the way the VPS or this customer is configured. And literally, you get up to tens of, I mean, our competitors have tens of thousands of different servers they're trying to keep online, each in some cases a little different. And then the only way to solve that is with humans. So you basically pay to have a lot of systems kind of running around keeping all those servers online and making sure the configurations are fine between uh, different server instances. Uh, so that's, uh, so when customers have issues with performance or scalability, that's what you're running into, right? You're running into issues of like, well, you didn't, you know, for this particular server, we didn't have Varnish set up correctly. Or you had more traffic and the server could deal with, so we did, you know, we had got to move you over to cluster and now it's going to cost thousands of dollars a month to, to deal with you. Or you're running fine until Jim had a problem on the server and that's what took you offline. So all of these different kind of cases kind of bubble up to the surface. So for, for us, uh, we knew we needed to build Pantheon in a way where customers wouldn't have to deal with any of that. Where literally they could just build their website and know that it will work. It'll be reliable and it'll be scalable. And if they get traffic spikes of 10 or 100x or the median, um, they can weather that without messing with anything. So one of, one of the, my favorite examples is, uh, as of late, ACLU, uh, which is a great organization. Um, I'm a fan of theirs personally, but I'm proud to have them as a customer. They have the case study up on our website. They, um, in the course of basically three days, um, they raised more money through their website than they did in an entire year before that. Their traffic spike went, they actually got 85x their normal traffic um, overnight, which is, is a great problem to have typically, but typically the honestly the kind of problem that literally brings your website down. You can imagine that if it's like you're getting like a once in a 20 year event we're going to raise more money in three days than you have in the past year. But you got so popular, your website goes down, you can't raise that money. Um, like that, that is the hosting world everyone's used to dealing with, which is insane. Uh, so Pantheon, the, we, you know, we, we knew we wanted to be able to handle use cases like that. And we knew we wanted to have something that was scalable to get to a percent, 10%, 30% of the web um, and be uh, much like orders of magnitude simpler to manage 
And so we ended up building a, a platform in a very different way that other hosting companies have not done, which is namely, we built Pantheon with this technology called containers, um, which as of late, containers are starting to become uh, much more known um, in the world of infrastructure management. Well, what containers let us do is to give you what we call fair resource isolation between every environment of every site. It's like having a VM for every single application environment. Um, so we have, we have resource isolation. So you're, you, know, you can write the dumbest SQL query you want in dev. It's not going to take down your live site. And whatever Jim does on the server does not affect your live site or your, your dev site or your test site. But the other key is what we call smooth scaling. So it lets us take you from one container to two containers to four containers to 10 containers without any system, without any human intervention. It's all done automated in software. Um, and we can scale you out horizontally without uh, moving any of your data to a new server or setting up a new cluster or having a system in touch anything. It's all just done on the platform. And so what, uh, uh, you know, essentially what we've, we, we've worked very hard to do and have done successfully is replace all these traditional pain points of hosting and scalability performance with really good software. And the great thing about software is it's very efficient and very scalable. Um, and what that, what that means for the customers is it's cheaper um, and, uh, and a lot less headache. It just happens. No, that's very excellent. Um, and something that you mentioned too, um, it, traditionally we're used to a hosting world where we're being served choices of either shared hosting, VPS, uh, or clusters. And one thing that, that we uh, run into a lot is we run into clients where they have hosting that doesn't necessarily fit their needs mm -hmm. or somebody steered them toward uh, something that, that maybe doesn't, you know, fit their use case. But at Pantheon, you guys specialize in um, hosting for enterprise companies, hosting for, for educational institutions, a lot of Drupal and WordPress hosting there. Um, it, but also, you know, you've done a lot of outreach to agencies. And when it comes to, uh, you know, agency outreach, educating them about what, uh, how Pantheon is different and, and educating people uh, about the different hosting solutions out there and what makes you guys distinct. Uh, yeah. when, it, when it comes to that, you know, uh, you know, agencies should really be immersed in, in the technology and, and, and how are your outreach efforts, uh, you know, working inside the, the WordPress ecosystem and what kind of effect has that had on getting new signups and, and getting uh, new uh, clients of, of a larger stature? Yeah, it's a, it's a really great question. You know, I, I think the, of all the things I spend time thinking about in the company, I think number one on my list every day is education. Um, it's actually meeting with developers um, through WordPress events or at these agencies uh, and having in-depth conversations with them about how they do their work. Um, so a good example of this is, um, and, and, and what we rely on with, with our product, which is kind of different um, than traditional hosting, uh, we actually give away the tools, our dev tools, for free to developers. And we actually have a product built specifically for agencies. Um, that is also free for them to use. Uh, the reason we do this is, uh, we, you know, we know, I'm sure you guys know this too, like uh, developers who develop sites with WordPress and Drupal are used to a tool chain that's open source and free, right? And if you have to pay even $100 a month or $50 a month, it's a serious barrier 
um, to getting developers to understand your technology and, and to use it. And so that's why we give the platform away for free to, to any developer who wants to use it. You sign up and create an account. You can use all of our developer tools for free. We charge when, when the hosting piece comes in. So when you actually launch a site, that's when we actually ask for a credit card and start billing. Um, but that can happen months after you actually start developing sites. So with a lot of WordPress uh, developers, the first conversation we actually have isn't even about hosting. It's usually about workflow. So specifically, I don't know if you guys are running into this with your clients, but you have a website up and running and you want to make changes to that website, like add a new uh, plugin or, or develop a new feature on, with a the theme. Uh, but the, uh, as, meanwhile, like your, your client is constantly updating new content on the website. The database is constantly changing, right? So how are you actually going to deploy a net new feature to that website, but know that it works before you deploy it um, but don't have to take down the website and say, hey, client, you know, for the next 24 hours, please don't add any more content or, you know, ignore what's happening behind the current uh, uh, curtains while you update your website. So that, that's what I mean by workflow. It's like literally the way you work on an active client website. And so what we have key to our product, if you, if you ever use it, um, is we, we have what we think of it is the best practice workflow for WordPress out of the box. So what it lets you do is anytime you develop a net new feature for the, the client website, it's like a, you change the theme, you can click a button and push and pull in the latest content from the live site. So you can test that change against like the literally the freshest content from the live site, but push up the latest code change you've made to a representative test environment. Make sure that it works. You can even ask the client, like, hey, does this look, look right? Can I get your approval? And then click a button and deploy it out to the, to the live website knowing that it works. And this gets you out a lot of issues of like breaking the live site and you're trying to develop things or not having the freshest content to test against uh, or the client not knowing what's going on. And, and meanwhile, they're updating content and you stomp over the content with less fresh content. They have to go rewrite that content. All of that complexity, we, we work really hard to just make bulletproof. That's the first way we usually engage with agency developers. It's like literally like how you use our workflow um, and, and the best practice around that. Um, and, then, and then we build on that in terms of like how you do parallel feature development and then how do you set up sites to use our caching systems so that they're very scalable and set up HTTPS and all, the, all these other things. I'm glad you mentioned that. And, uh, you know, one, one last question before we go to, to our uh, midway break. But uh, when you're talking about the workflow, and that is like a big problem, and especially on a larger site, you're making changes to the actual code base. The client is uploading content but you've got to deploy these features and having that kind of more complex uh, system of having merges uh, and stuff like this where you can test and then deploy instead of having to just have, uh, you know, one staging in one production area uh, is very useful and it's not something that every other hosting company is doing. It's not easily replicatable. Another thing that I think is really awesome that you guys have is a multi-dev where you can have, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but it's, uh, you know, different developers on your team, they have their individual branches and yeah. they can also like merge into that and speak on that for just a sec. Yeah. So once we get past generally kind of the, the basic, uh, uh, or kind of general workflow for developing with client websites where the content is changing, the next thing exactly is we talk about is, is, uh, what we call multi-dev. So what it's built to do exactly right is to do parallel feature development. So if you have multiple developers working on a, on a project, 
Uh, now the workflow generally becomes even, even more complicated because you have feature A over here and feature B over here, and then you have a hot fix that has to come out. And how are you going to safely get all those features merged in, test, and deployed out without stomping on each other's work? And so that's what multi-dev is designed to do. So, so what it does is actually very simple. You can click a button in our dashboard and get a new uh, multi-dev cloud environment. And what you, uh, it's literally uh, has its own URL, its own uh, feature branch with the code, um, its own copy of the database, its own copy of the files. You can load it up, and it's yours. You can, you can call it you know, John's multi-dev or John's feature A multi-dev. You can call it whatever you want. And you can work on your feature, work on your feature, and fresh, you know, uh, be pulling in the latest content in the live site, making sure that it works, make sure it works, and then be done with the feature, and then test it, and then uh, get client approval, and then deploy it out whenever you want. At the same time, other developers are also working on their own features. So all this parallel feature development can happen in a very clean way, and in a way that where you're not stomping on each other's work. And what we found is for, for uh, websites that are built by teams, so this is very typical of agencies where they have like a front-end developer working on a theme, a back-end developer working on the actual WordPress code and building plugins. Um, they each can work on their own feature branches, not stop on each other's work, and then deploy them out whenever they want. No, I think that's an absolutely essential feature for larger teams. Um, we're going to take five seconds for uh, where we insert our break. And then when we come back, we're going to be talking more with Zach Rosen, the CEO of Pantheon. See you in just a second. Do you want to spend more time making money online? Then use WP Tonic as your trusted WordPress developer partner. They will keep your WordPress website secure and up to date so you can concentrate on the things that make you money. Examples of WP Tonic's client services are landing pages, page layouts, widgets, updates, and modifications. WP Tonic is well-known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with full, no-question-asked, 30-day money-back guarantee. So don't delay. Sign up with WP Tonic today. That's wp-tonic.com, just like the podcast. We're coming back from the break, and I'm going to pass the mic over to Jonathan Denwood and take it away. Oh, thanks, John. So, Zach, you know... Your initial uh, noted in the Drupal um, community, and then you've entered the WordPress community. What what have been the differences in culture and community that you've noticed between those two communities? Yeah, I mean, I, I actually say it's um, more similar than different. You know, when, when in the early days of uh, our support for WordPress um, projects. Uh, we we kind of likened it to like, you know, um, visiting an alien species where everything is kind of the same but very different and like we had this whole imagery around it. And actually it turned out actually we're both aliens. Like it's, it's uh, just, you know, um, uh, have diff some different experiences. But at the end of the day, like people have built websites and client deadlines and requirements and the way like developing sites with uh, PHP, it's all so similar. Um, but there there are some differences. I think you know, the, the way we see this is, you know, uh, Drupal's um, uh, focus right now, and increasingly so, is typically on these more complicated websites. So, like, and it, you know, the, the Drupal has built this, this API um, that uh, a lot of, it, it, it's a more complicated system to develop for. It's really just, just built for these kind of power users and power use cases, where WordPress is much more broadly applicable, obviously, right? So, kind of, if, if your requirements um, are met by WordPress, it is 
you know, nine times out of 10 or more, the obvious uh, product to use. It's much simpler to use out of the box, um, has a, a, a typically a better user experience for the end user, um, and you can, you can kind of start and get a website finished uh, you know, out the door for much less time, much less cost than a typical Drupal de uh, development project would be. Uh, but uh, what, what that means is really interesting. So in the WordPress space, uh, there's this whole, when, you, when we show up at work, WordCamps, um, the, the uh, large US one or, or the local WordCamps, the breadth of, of folks who show up is much, it's much broader than Drupal, right? The users actually show up at, at the community events. Um, a lot of folks who use WordPress as um, bloggers or professional bloggers, uh, and then you have, uh, you know, kind of hobbyist developers, and then, and then professional developers and at agencies and, and whole teams. The whole kind of spans the gamut. Where in the Drupal universe, when you show up at these events and you talk to folks in the Drupal universe, it's a much thinner slice. It's really just kind of some hobbyists, but mostly professionals, and then up through kind of folks who manage thousands of sites for big enterprises. Uh, but when, when we actually talk to professional developers, so not the end users, but the people actually whose you know, job it is to build websites, it, it really is very, very similar. I think you could take, a, and you guys could show up at these uh, Drupal events and Drupal folks that show up at the WordPress events and it's amazing um, uh, how uh, similar the problem sets are and the approaches. I thought it was fantastic. Um, <clears throat> well, I'm going to ask, I'm going to go down this, but if you don't, if you don't want to go down this road, well, I'm going to ask a question and, um, yeah, go on. Um, obviously, um, you had some slight troubles with WordCamp USA um, around communication. What did you learn from that? <laughs> that's, a, that's a fair question. Uh, you know, I think we're uh, still learning uh, uh, really uh, uh, how we can uh, best uh, participate in the WordPress community. You know, I think we, you know, we, we came in in the Drupal community already with seven years of like knowing everybody, knowing all the norms, knowing the conferences, knowing all the people, knowing all the agencies. And um, it was a very easy, natural thing. And to be fair, like, you know, in the WordPress space, um, the, uh, what the community wants to get out of the events versus what Drupal wants to get out of the events, actually pretty different. Like that is a case where it's actually pretty different. You know, we just came back for, from DrupalCon, which, uh, which is a great event, um, but it's, uh, if you go down to like the exhibit hall at DrupalCon, it's kind of mind-blowing. 30, 30, close to 3,500 people came to the event. Every single one of them makes a living off of Drupal. Like they're all like professionals at agencies or internal. That's the only people show up. And, and as part of that, the kind of vendor ecosystem is in a lot of ways um, uh, just kind of uh, just bigger and more established in a lot of ways than, than the WordPress ecosystem uh, vendor community. And just the norms around the conference are, are different. Um, you know, what, what people expect, like a lot of people go, <laughs> go to the exhibit. We had, uh, we had uh, uh, well over, you know, we had thousands of people who actually <laughs> came to our booth and participated with us at our booth, just crazy, like sat through a 30 minute product uh, demonstration. So it's just more commercialized. Um, and I, I think in the WordPress community, um, for some of the attendees, that's true. And then for some of the attendees, it's not true. Um, and I think it's just, it's just part of the, the evolution of the, the WordPress community is, it, I think, you have to wrestle with this to a certain extent of like, what is the purpose of the event? 
What are we trying to do as a community? And what is the role of a, of a vendor here or there? And that's, you know, I think that, uh, uh, I think that my observation would be that WordPress is still kind of early in um, uh, uh, building out um, its approach to the different audience to, in the different audiences who come uh, come to the event. So we would love to participate in that and help in any way. I mean, we were a company, but we are also, um, you know, as part of that, like have a lot of uh, WordPress experts who work, work at our company, DevOps experts who work at the company, who uh, show up, present, um, uh, you know, participate in Birds of a Feather, um, participate in the community. Uh, but then there's also like, as a vendor, how we, we participate as a company. And so we're, 100% open to feedback. We're um, you know, very invested in, in the WordPress and we're very excited about the WordPress uh, community and really like, genuinely want to be good uh, participants. Um, you know, I think we, we, we really do pride ourselves in, in how we've uh, uh, approached building community overall at the, at the company. Really, it's just driven um, our, our, uh, uh, the business that we built is a you know, very real um, connection with our users and our customers and the agencies that we, that we work with and the wider open source community. Um, and we have a lot of experience doing that. And so, um, you know, we, we would love to, um, uh, to do uh, uh, whatever we can to be helpful. Um, and, uh, you know, any input people have, um, I'm all ears. Oh, fantastic answer. Uh, I've, yeah. <laughs> um, this, this move on. Um, so, I was really interested in answer to one of John's questions about you explaining the size of the website industry in dollars and how, and I totally agreed with what you were saying, that um, a website is an ongoing thing, a living organism in some ways. This seems to be, to me, I just just this is a bit of a long-winded observation and also partly a, a question. There seems to be conflicting forces. In some ways, websites have been commodified. But on the other hand, I, the thing that you were pointing out, they're definitely not. You know, they need... Am I correct? There's, there seems to be two kind of forces I, working... I, yeah, totally agree. I mean, and, and, and we, you know, and I'd actually observe um, those forces are, are really, um, I think, the industry maturing. Uh, so we, we break the industry into in really roughly into three broad strokes. And, and, and we, we divide it by who the customer is. So on one end of the spectrum, you have the Wixes and the Weeblies and the Squarespaces and WordPress.com to the world where the customer, the person actually paying for the product or using the service is the website owner, right? So they sign up for the service, they choose a design template, they swipe their credit card, use it for free, hit a button, hit publish, boom, they have a website. The website's gonna have the same design as everyone else who use the same template, but if you're paying nothing or five bucks a month or 10 bucks a month, you don't care, right? You're, as a small business, you check the, the, the box, I have a website, you can edit the content yourself, um, you, your website will probably look pretty good using a modern service will look pretty good because there'll be a, a modern design to, uh, template you're working from and you're good to go. Uh, so that part of the industry is very quickly evolving. Um, and if you look at like what Wix is doing and Squarespace and WordPress.com, like it's um, uh, the bar for 
for uh, what is good for that use case is going up and up and up and up and up each year. I mean, three years ago or four years ago, good was signing up for <laughs> signing up for GoDaddy, um, buying a domain name, dealing with their different. Uh, uh, at the time, they got much better. But at the time, very rough uh, kind of template tools, and that that was a website. But now, like the bar, the bar is much higher. And 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 you know, to their credit, I think GoDaddy's invested a lot in this, and this has come very far. But that's a customer segment. And we think that customer segment is, again, where the owner of the website, the person paying for the website, owns the business, mostly sole proprietorships. There's a next segment of the marketplace, and we think the dividing line to the next segment of the marketplace is when you actually have a, a professional marketer. Right? You have somebody who has a budget, who's not the owner of the business, but their job is marketing. And so they might own like inbound SEO marketing, they probably own the website, they own the advertising campaigns, but their job is to drive business, right? And they're, they're professional. So typically those marketers, it's not entirely true, but it's mostly true that those marketers can't really use those template tools. If you talk to a marketer, it's generally not acceptable that you have this literally the same brand and look and feel of your business as the half million other businesses that happen to use the same design template. It's just not adequate. And so what the, the way those marketers actually create their websites, is, as, you, as you know, is they start with their brand and their design, and they do Adobe Photoshop comps, and they hire experts to design and build websites with their own set of requirements, and they write RFPs about how they're going to use this marketing automation software and this email list vendor, and, it's, you know, and they show up and, and hire folks like you to actually build the site. So that's another segment of the market. And then there's another segment of the market, the third, which are actually real enterprises. So these are the customers who are spending literally three, four, five million dollars per website, right? And so it's Adobe CQ, um, you know, Sitecore, um, Acquia, one of our, uh, our friends in, in Boston in the Drupal space really competes for this kind of business where uh, you know, millions of dollars are spent and there's whole teams internally and externally, very complicated requirements, usually need compliance. Um, uh, and governance and all these kind of enterprise features. Um, and, and frankly, WordPress really doesn't compete there yet. The exception I'd say would be some media companies. Um, there's some large scale media companies that have large budgets where um, WordPress does compete. For the most part, there's no one really selling WordPress yet in, in enterprise use cases, um, where, where Drupal is actually being sold with enterprise uh, customers. So th those are the three different segments. And in each of those segments, I think there's this, there's, there is uh, uh, an ecosystem uh, and a kind of state of the art and expectations for the customers. And in each of those segments, um, there is uh, you know, some rate of evolution of, of the vendors people are using. So to, to sorry, long, long answer to your question. Oh, it's just, I'm just, you can keep on talking. I'm just, um, you so the, make the my force eyes. I think you're saying is, is <laughs> The, the, the self-serve sole proprietor use case, the vendors there are getting so sophisticated that a lot of the use cases that people used to, that people have historically used WordPress and shared hosting for, which is literally, I'm, an, I'm a business owner, give me a website, um, there's competition now, where what you can do with Wix and Squarespace and Weebly is just getting better and better and better to the point where uh, WordPress might be more complicated for that use case than an alternative. Right, so that's that pressure. But at the same time, if you hop over to the next market segment of marketers, uh, I think WordPress is actually early um, in its adoption curve. I think that there's, uh, uh, that space is growing very quickly. 
uh, and uh, and those marketers, uh, the biggest thing holding WordPress back is the sophistication of the vendors actually providing services to those customers. Uh, and, uh, and I think that if you look at the, the, the kind of market growth, so the, the ecosystem of WordPress, people who make a living around WordPress, I think more growth is actually going to come from that part of the market than the uh, sole proprietor part of the market over the next five years. Oh, just fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts. Um, I, I will have to think what you're saying, but my instinctive reaction is I totally agree with you. Um, have you got a couple more questions, John? Because I need to think. <laughs> no, it's it definitely, uh, and like what you said, Zach, I totally agree. I, I think that that mid-market where people are targeting like people who are professional marketers or um, a lot of times businesses that have a dedicated marketing department, I think that WordPress is really on that adoption curve. And I think that's like really like where uh, a lot of WordPress professionals should be aiming, uh, honestly. Yeah. Um, one last question and then we'll let you get on with your day. But uh, something I want to ask you about is a lot of times with the companies, and I know that you guys have, have grown like over the years, uh, but what gets you to one place doesn't get you to the next level. And one thing that, that I know that you've done uh, in learning uh, about how to grow a company is shadowing like other SEOs and just watching them and, and following their day. What are some other things that you've done to kind of prepare yourself for growth as, as Pantheon grows from one level to the next? Yeah, it's an it's a excellent question. Something I thought, I thought about a, a, a lot. Um, and I, I've written a couple things around this. So, uh, you know, m my experience uh, building companies, especially technology companies. The thing I think that's um, kind of underappreciated um, here in San Francisco or Silicon Valley is how much of this industry, really when you boil it down, is really just about mentorship. Re really, like um, one uh, more experienced entrepreneur or investor helping a younger, you know, less wise uh, uh, entrepreneur um, uh, on the problem that they're trying to solve. Really, when I, when I get down to it, like most of my, I mean, there's a lot of learning that I do, which is like falling on my face, making a mistake, and like, oh, that didn't work. <laughs> Next time I I'm facing this problem, I'm going to try something differently. I'm going to go Google things and read online, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but I'd say that, that's, you know, two-thirds of my learning or more is li literally just mentorship. It's someone saying, oh, yeah, I, I dealt with that four years ago. Here's a post I wrote about it. Or I'm going to walk you through exactly what, um, how it, you know, once I ask you a bunch of questions, uh, understand what it's going to be like in your shoes, I'm going to walk you through exactly how I would tackle that problem that you're dealing with right now. Um, and so that's where the CEO shadowing comes in. It's a way of, of um, kind of seeing face-to-face uh, -face and, and, you know, being there um, uh, in the room with a, a team or another CEO with their own set of problems and challenges that they're having to um, uh, solve themselves um, and seeing their approach to it, which really is just mentorship. Um, it's just another form of mentorship. So, you know, I, I in, in my day to day, I, I, I've tried, I made, made a lot of effort to find really good mentors <laughs> and then to, you know, and beg them and cajole them and convince them to like help us um, with the problems that we're trying to solve. And I found that, to, you know, I found people to be honestly incredibly generous with their time. You know, my experience has been 
Um, you know, not all the time, but usually people will be incredibly generous, um, helping me work through something, whatever it is in the day to day that I'm, I'm, uh, I'm trying to sort through on my own. No, I think that's excellent. And I, I think mentorship is something that, that, uh, we all could benefit from. So uh, glad to hear you say that. Uh, with that, we're going to wrap up this episode and Zach, uh, where can we find you online and anything that you would like to promote? Yeah, I'm uh, Zachary.org, or, uh, I'm at Zach on Twitter, um, if you want to tweet at me. Um, uh, otherwise, I'm just Zach at, Pan- Z-A-C-K at Pantheon.io, if you want to send me an email. Sounds great. Jonathan, where can we find you and anything you want to promote? Oh, just to, before that, just to say, Zach, I just really enjoyed the interview. It's been a blast, and your insights have um, been so interesting. Um, how you can get hold of me, folks, uh, on Twitter at Jonathan Denwood. Um, I'm normally around there most days, aren't I, John? And or you can email me. I I do res- if it's obviously somebody that spent time um, to ask me a question or need a little bit of help. I'm always there for you, folks. Um, it's just a personal courtesy. You probably won't get answers straight away that day, but I will come back. And that's at jonathan at wp-tonic.com. One more thing, John. I'd say if uh, anyone listening was interested in the workflow um, conversation or or, uh, performance, uh, I definitely encourage them to sign up for Pantheon. It's 100% free, totally free to use as a developer or as an agency. Um, And uh, we're happy to help you use the tools. If you have any questions, you can just open our chat support. So go, go check it out if you haven't. No, definitely, and I, I second that uh, endorsement. I've uh, I've played around with it before too. It's definitely an impressive tool. I think a lot of agencies, especially larger ones, would benefit from checking it out. And and definitely, if you're dealing with any larger clients, for sure, uh, give it a spin. Uh, you can find me. Uh, on Twitter, lockdown underscore. You can visit me at my website, which is lockdowndesign.com. For the WP Tonic Posse, we're saying peace out and get your dose. Thanks for listening to WP Tonic, the podcast that gives you a spoonful of WordPress medicine twice a week.